Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day as we think uh, as men uh, about failing, but failing forward. Uh, God, we want to look back to the life of Peter today and just kind of see uh, his journey. And uh, as we move forward in our own lives, God, let us see the things you want us to see and hear the things that you want us to hear. And God, let it apply uh, to our lives. God, I thank you for the men that are in this room. I thank you uh, for the new guys uh, that are in this room. I pray that they would find fellowship and friendship and strength uh, being with other men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, as we look back to God's Word today, if you want to take and turn in your Bibles, you can go to Acts chapter 3. Uh, that's where we're going to land today. If you're new joining us via, via podcast or you're new uh, uh, here today, we've been in the middle of a series entitled Failing But Failing Forward. Uh, we're all going to fail, guys. We're always going to blow it. Uh, every guy in this room has blown it somewhere. You've either blown it at some point in your vocation, uh, when you're in your relationships, in your character, in your morality, in your friendships. We've all blown it, and we've all blown it somewhere. And uh, I started this whole series with a couple of thoughts, and I just want to briefly go over them with you before we jump forward to Peter's life and see where he is in Acts chapter 3. Here were the five statements that I think are true of men who have failed in the past. These are five statements that kind of underpin uh, everything we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Statement number one is I believe that men oftentimes are in a state of confusion about how or if God will still use them after they fail. A guy goes out there and just drops the ball. Maybe he served the Lord and he's been faithful to the Lord and then all of a sudden he fails. I believe that sometimes men get in a state of confusion about whether or not God can use them again. Does this always eliminate them uh, from being used by God. My statement, and we're going to see it here, we've seen it already, but we're going to see it again in the future, is that God can and will use you in spite of your failure. Thought number two that underpins this whole statement, I believe uh, that men oftentimes are confused after failure, and they settle for passivity in their faith that once we failed, we have a tendency to put it in neutral in our faith. I'll come to church, I'll show up, I'll read the Bible, and I'll hope no one will ever find out the sin I committed or the mistake that I made, and therefore we become passive. I want you to know I truly believe it doesn't matter where you've been. God wants men more than any time ever, men to be active in their faith, and that's what we believe here at Cottonwood Creek. Here's the third thought. I believe men oftentimes are confused after they fail and they settle for less than God's best. They settle for less than God's best. We have a tendency to go through a failure or make a mistake or drop the ball uh, and then they have a tendency to settle for less than God's best in their life. And I want you to know at Cottonwood Creek, guys, we are not about settling for less than God's best. Now, we're not also not about arrogantly and pridefully uh, trying to outrun God or be better and do more than God wants us to do. I believe God's got a place for each and every one of us, but we're never going to settle for less than God's best. Here's statement number four. Uh, I believe that men are oftentimes confused after they fail and they lose a compelling vision. They lose a compelling vision about who God wants them to be. That, uh, man, we... As men, we are driven by vision. 
you know, here's what I want to be. Here's what, what I want my kids to be. Here's what I want my family to be like. Here's what I want this to be like, my job, how big, it want, how big I want it to be. Or uh, if we're hunting, how big I want the buck to be. Right? That's a compelling vision. How many of you are hunters, right? The only reason why you would wake up in the morning or go out in the middle of the summer and put protein feeders out early in the spring and, you, and then you're going to go out and it is freezing because there is a compelling vision in your mind, right? That, that the biggest buck you have ever seen or the one you saw on camera is going to show up that day. And you're going to go out there and you're shivering. So guys, we, after failures, I, we oftentimes lose a compelling vision of what God wants for us. And number five, I believe that the Bible tells us everything we need to know about failing, but failing forward. And so we've been looking at Peter. If you missed it, you can go back and you can find it on the podcast uh, as, you, um, as you journey forward. We looked at uh, Peter in the first week uh, that Jesus predicted Peter's, Peter's denial of him. Peter said no in his pride. I'm not going to deny you. Sure enough, Peter did. The next week we looked at the idea that after Peter fails, uh, there is he denied him not once, not twice, not, but three times, that in John chapter 21... Uh, Jesus showed up and reinstated Peter. He said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. And then Peter goes back to work. And then we looked last week at this. Uh, Peter assumes kind of a comeback stance. He, by default, uh, but by God's, divine, God's design, is he kind of assumes the leadership of the disciples that he had failed in front of. Even though he had failed, Jesus put him back in charge. And we looked last week at Acts chapter 1. They chose a new disciple. And Peter's the one that stood up in front of the disciples and said, Guys, uh, Judas is no longer with us. We need a twelve. And then what we looked at last week is, remember there were two guys up for the job as the twelve last week. Only one got it. But the other guy still served God's kingdom in a great way. And so today as we come uh, to Peter, as we continue to move forward, if we are going to fail forward, guys, our mentality has to change. Our mentality has to change. For us to fail forward, we have to move from a me mindset to a us mindset. We have to move from a me mindset to an us mindset. And we're going to see that right here in Acts chapter 3. And so let's pick it up and begin to read. Notice what it says. It says, one day, Peter and John, so Peter's failed. God's reinstituting, putting back in service. Now in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John are back about, the, about doing the gospel, back about reaching people. It says, one day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, look at what it says in verse 2. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those uh, who were going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked them for money. That's what he did all the time. They would bring him to this gate. He would be the first one there. He would uh, kind of panhandle for money. 
And notice what Peter does. He has moved now from a me mindset to a us mindset. So Peter looked straight at him, just as John did, and Peter said to him, look at us. Now guys, the us is important. As God begins to use us and calls us to his highest and best and greatest, we have to lose the me mindset. And we have to live for an us mindset. And the us I'm talking about here in this passage is Peter and John. It's those who serve alongside each other. Guys, as you and I come back from a failure, as we journey forward in ministry, we need somebody to serve alongside somebody. We need somebody to serve alongside us. So my question for you is, who are you serving alongside of? Who is the us in your life in ministry? Is it just you? Is it all about you? I will promise you, just like Peter, if you serve in ministry and serve the Lord, and it's all about you, you're going to fail. The one thing I really believe, and hopefully you all see it a lot uh, among our staff, is uh, we've got a real heavy us mentality. And I appreciate these guys, and the Justin, and uh, Justin the Taller, and Justin the Shorter, and Sanford the Taller, too. They're all taller than me. But if you've noticed about our staff and our church, it is an us mentality. These guys know that this ministry is not about me. It is about us serving God together. It is about us serving God together. And guys, in your ministry, if you and I are going to regain a compelling vision for what God wants us to be and who God wants us to be, we've got to change and move to an us mentality. So my question is, who are the us in your life? Who are the people that make up your us? Who do you serve alongside of? Who do you walk shoulder to shoulder? Remember, we're in the, uh, the book of Nehemiah. Remember how they worked? In groups, side by side. Those were us mentalities. Said the men of Jericho, they came and worked on this part of the wall. The men of Tekoa came and worked on this part of the wall. These people came and worked on this part of the wall. What was it? It was all about an us mentality, right? If you look, and you'll read this weekend, it says some of the people who are working, some of those in the us mentality, uh, some of them were apparently terrible at building things, but great at killing people. Because if you go look at them on the wall, it says they carried the sword and they stood as watchmen on the wall. There were other people that were pretty good at both, all right? It says they held a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. There were some people that were apparently terrible at killing people, but really good at building walls. And you can look, it says, what did they do? They didn't have a sword, they just had two trowels and were going after it. And so, guys, God has gifted every man in this room to do something. Now, don't go out of here saying the pastor said I could go kill people. All right, I'm not saying that's metaphorically. In their day, if you were going to build the wall and the enemies had been scoffing at them for years, they knew, Nehemiah fully understood, if they're going to build the walls, 
the enemies are going to say, that's not happening. So Nehemiah said, listen, those of you guys who are, who are great military men, you're going to protect the people that are working. Those of you guys that can do it both, both you're, you're going to have a sword in one hand, you're going to have a trowel in the other hand. Those of you that you're just really good craftsmen, but you're not good fighters, we want you to build the wall. Man, that's the way it is for us in here. If you think about God's church and, and, and people you need to surround yourself with, man, you need a compelling vision of having someone that is further along in your faith than you are. That, there needs to be someone in your us group that is that way. You also need someone in your us group who is further behind you in your faith, that you can train up, that you can teach. You also need people that are your peers in your faith, that, that they are equals. Y'all are about as far along. Guys, we need to develop an us. That's why we're always at Cottonwood Creek, pushing groups. Man, find a group where you can walk into a group and you can say, man, I pray, Lord, that I can become like that person, right? We all, how many of you know we all need those people, right? We all need those people. Uh, we need people that we're looking at and we're surrounding ourselves with that we walk into the room and they go, he's just like me. Uh, I can just look in that dude's eyes and uh, he's not gone to church all of his life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That he's made me a few mistakes in the world. Or you begin to talk and you hear language that uh, just lets you in on uh, the fact that that's not his first sweetheart. He screwed up a marriage along the way. Or you hear language that this guy blew up a business at some point. Or you hear language of previous failures. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That we say, man, that's guy, that guy's like me, man, just basking in the grace of God. But we've come a long way, Right? I also need to be in groups, a life group, home group, an online group, where when I walk in and think about my group, there's someone that I look at him. They're early post-failure. And my job is to look them in the eyes and say, I've been there. And I'm going to help you get from where you are to where God wants you to be. And so I love that. He says, look at us. Now listen, if we're going to develop an us mentality, I think there are a couple of things we need. First of all, we've, we've got to stop comparing ourselves to others. All right? We have to acknowledge who others are, but I can't always compare ourselves, compare myself to others. You know, my job as your pastor is not to compare myself to every other pastor in the world. That's not my job, right? I need to stop comparing myself uh, as you think about the disciples, remember, remember a couple of the disciples were fighting over who was the greatest in the kingdom? How many of you remember that? You know, Peter was in that group, right? They were like, hey, uh, well, uh, Peter and John, mom says, hey, can you put one of my boys to your left hand, one of my boys to your right hand? And Peter said, no, 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 no. Uh, remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter's up there and he goes, I got an idea. 
Let's just build some temples and some tabernacles and some huts right here. And, and we, the spiritual, can all hang out right up here. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're a nut job. We weren't called to go up on spiritual mountains together, nor were we called to stay in spiritual valleys. So stop comparing yourself uh, because we have a tendency to do this. We have a tendency as men, God created us, put it in. We are competitors. That's who we are, right? But I want you to know when it comes to the kingdom of God, God's kingdom is not a competition. It's not a competition. It's an opportunity to serve the God who ultimately wins the competition. And as we think about that, when, um, why, do I, why do I think it's real detrimental and cost us our compelling vision uh, of God's work and what God wants to do in our lives when we start comparing ourselves instead of just saying, listen, I'm going to embrace everybody for who they are, but instead I'm going to compare ourselves. I think one of the reasons is because some of us love the idea of winning. So we compare ourselves with spiritual losers. I'm being honest. I, I know a lot of men, I know a lot of people that they love to walk around and point out someone else's faults. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That we love the idea of pointing out someone else's faults. I've had people over the years, uh, especially when we were a small church, and, uh, you know, you know that, that was back when they called me Brother John Mark. And I loved some of those people. But someone would come visit the church. And some people in the church would come over and say, Now, you know, he used to. And what were they doing? They were comparing themselves. They were tearing themselves down. And so my encouragement to you is don't ever... Compare yourself in such a way that you're going to look at people who have lost in life, who have failed in life, in order to puff you up. That's not the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't mean I overlook a failure. What God would rather me do is identify the failure and say, how can I help you come back? I think a lot of times, uh, if, if we're not in the mindset or in the mode of comparing ourselves to other people's failures, I think some of us set ourselves up for failure because we compare ourselves to superheroes in the faith. That we compare ourselves, uh, perhaps we compare ourselves with someone that we went to high school with and went to college, and man, all the way through high school and all the way through college, uh, they were faithful and you were not. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? And, and they, were, they, were, you were, they were faithful and you were not. Then you went about your life and they stayed faithful and you were not. And then as you begin to come back to your faith, in your mind, you begin to compare yourself to that person who stayed faithful all the way through. We compare ourselves to a spiritual superhero. And what that creates in our mindset is a losing vision of how God wants to use us today. Guys, because today is the day that God wants to start using you more than He's ever used you before. But it starts with an us mentality. 
but we can't compare ourselves uh, with people who have failed in order to make ourselves look, look good, nor can we compare ourselves with spiritual superheroes. Guys, none of us will ever be Billy Graham. I'm just going to go out on a limb right now. How many of you would agree? None of us are ever going to do it. There was one of him. But if I walked and compared my life with Billy Graham, I would be a failure the rest of my life. Although, here's what I know in my mind. I'm doing exactly what God called me to do. Exactly where God called me to do it to exactly the people God has called me to be their pastor. And I want you to know, I already feel like I've outpunted my coverage, that God has done way more. I went to that little church over in Fairview, expecting to pastor that little church over in Fairview for a long, long time. As a matter of fact, y'all have heard me say this, I'm still pastoring that little church in Fairview. Y'all just moved and tried to get away from me, and I followed y'all. But God has done so much in this church that I just bask and celebrate every day that God allowed me to stay as the pastor here in this place. And so listen, but if I sit around and begin to compare myself and look around, and I will tell you, I have pastor friends who I absolutely know they have moved, changed, they've left a good church looking for a bigger church, not a better one. Guys, I, I know men in business that they've left good jobs to go to bigger ones, and it only left them bigger losers. So God, when it, guys, when it comes to God's kingdom, we don't want to spend our time comparing ourselves to others. Uh, we don't want to pick out clear wins because I can find a failure that I can encounter that I can say, well, at least I'm not him nor do I have to whisper about them. Well, you know, here's what they've done in the past. Nor do I want to compare myself uh, with some sort of superhero. But here's what I do want to do. If I'm going to move from a me to an us mentality, I've got to take a good inventory of what caused me to fail to begin with, right? When Jesus showed up to uh, Peter in John chapter 21, Jesus kind of took inventory of Peter's life. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he asked him that in front of the disciples. Why did Jesus call Peter, cause Peter to ask himself those questions in front of the other disciples? Because that was where Peter had last failed, was in front of the other disciples. He said, Lord, even if all of these deny you, I won't. And so God humbled him in front of those same men and caused him to take inventory of his life. Now, what do you and I, as we think about our past failures, what, what do you and I need to take inventory of when it comes to our past failures? Uh, I think one of the things you want to do and I want to do is we want to track our triggers. What were your triggers? You want to track them. If you've fallen over and over again, or you've fallen one big time, track your trigger. What causes you to fail in your faith? What causes you uh, to, uh, to fall back? What causes you to fail again? Track your triggers. 
I will guarantee you, you and I, we all have certain triggers. I will tell you, as your pastor, uh, there are certain things when I encounter those things or those mindset, it kind of triggers me to lean towards failure and I have to pull my back, myself back out. Uh, my guess is you have the same thing. Uh, what a, tr a trigger might be pride. A trigger might be arrogance. A trigger might be, or, or a sin might be pride or arrogance uh, or lust. Okay, those are the sins. But you can probably go before that sin takes place and you can find a trigger. A lot of times triggers for men, I will tell you guys, this is it. And, and this is the truth. Some of our triggers as men, uh, loneliness. When we isolate ourselves too much, we are prone to sin. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? That becomes a trigger. Now, the sin that follows will be very specific. Someone over here might struggle with lust. Someone over here might struggle with alcohol. Someone over here might struggle with something else. Someone over here might struggle with anger or bitterness or depression. Someone else struggles with incredible anxiety. Well, that's the sin. But the trigger was they were alone. And that's why it's so important for us as men to move from a me to an us mentality in serving God and His kingdom. I need to constantly be putting myself in group with other men, in spaces with other men who can encourage me and support me and hold me accountable and push me when I begin to, uh, to lag behind a bit, to tell me to move forward in my life. And so we need to track our triggers. What is it? I'll guarantee you um, that a lot of it has to do with isolation. I don't know about you. Y'all may be totally uh, different than me. I'm sure y'all are way more spiritual than me. Y'all are probably way more out there than I am with, with your sin, aren't you? Uh, most of the time when I sin, I like to find a private place. Am I the only one? Yeah, I usually don't show up on Fox News and say, hey, I just look at a cussing deacon out. All right? That's not what happens, right? We usually find a private place. We find an isolated place. Uh, sadly, I, 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 from time to time, just because of the nature of my position, I'll, I'll get a call from a guy who um, the alcohol addiction is shown back up. Invariably, you know where they are? They're alone somewhere, isolated, swung by the liquor store, they're drinking, I get a phone call. Isolation, being alone. Guys, that's why we so much need to move from a me to an us mentality. None of us are John Wayne. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. We've got to have an us mentality. My question is, who are the men that you surround yourself with? That y'all can do life and ministry. And let me encourage you, let one of them be a super saint or a couple of them be a super saint, but don't compare yourself to the super saint. Follow them, don't compare. Remember what Paul said? He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He didn't say, hey, compare yourself to me 
see how you measure up as I follow Christ. He said, no, follow me. In other words, do some of the things that I did. Say things the way I say them as I simply try to follow Christ. So we want to track our triggers. Uh, 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 another thing is we need to do along with tracking our triggers. We need to get rid of some negative stuff. Guys, we all need to get rid of some negative stuff. Uh, sometimes it's some negative people. There, there are people who are negative influences on your life, right? So when I say move from a me to an us mentality, um, you got to be careful which people you put in your us group. You've got to be careful who you put in there. And if some people are the ones that are going to drag you down because it's your sin. See, here, here's the deal. Every one of us are prone to certain sins. Boy, Satan knows what your switch is. He knows what your trigger is. He knows what your sin is, right? Satan knows. Um, they're not all the same. If we were to bring a buffet table, it reminds me of Hill House's office sometimes, a buffet table of all the sins in the world, and you lined them up. You know, if you put alcohol or drugs or pornography or lust or this or that, you know what I'm saying? All the sins. If we all stood over there and looked at the buffet, everybody's eyes in here would be drawn to, drawn to something different, wouldn't it? Now, when I say those sins, what about pride and arrogance? See, some of y'all would never look at pornography. But you're so arrogant and prideful about it that God can't use you. And so as we think about it, we need to put away some negative stuff and some negative people that draw us back towards our failing and our sin. That's the kind of thing that we need to think about. So stop comparing yourself to others. Man, track your triggers. What causes you to fail again uh, as we move from a, from a me to an us mentality? And then finally, as we journey forward, get rid of some negative stuff. So now let's jump back into our story. Acts chapter 3. He said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Man, I love that idea. Peter didn't give this man his failure. He didn't give him his, uh, uh, his arrogance or his pride. He basically gave him Christ. Are you kidding me? Peter had just denied Christ three times. But he received the grace of Christ. And now he's given it to somebody else because he's moved from a me to an us mentality. And so notice what happens. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So Peter, who not long ago needed help, now was helping somebody else. Why? Because he had moved from a me to an us mentality. Now pick it up. He jumped to his feet, verse 8, and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. All right, so this guy 
who had been crippled from birth, who was taken to the, uh, to, the, to the place called Beautiful to beg for alms now because Peter had moved from a me to an us mentality, then cared, reached down, helped him up. This dude is jumping around praising and worshiping God. And then notice what it says. It says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, here's how we're going to close and pray. Guys, as we fell forward, are you willing to move just like Peter did from a me-first mentality to an us mentality? Are you willing to make sure that you have other men and women around you, some who can lead you in your faith, some who can walk and work shoulder by shoulder with you in your faith, and some who lag behind you that you and I are supposed to reach and help them. If you and I are willing to adopt that mindset, it's an us mentality. We will set ourselves up to fail forward for God's kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Guys, thank you for the opportunity today just to address uh, a mindset of us in the kingdom of God and not simply a me mindset. God, I pray for every man that uh, is on Zoom today. I pray, every, pray for every man in this room, and I pray for every man that's going to listen to this podcast, that whether they're driving their car, they're at work, wherever they are, they would think about who are those who are in my circle? Who are the people who I surround myself with me? that like Nehemiah and the men work side by side, shoulder by shoulder with me. God, I pray that every man in this room, every man on Zoom, every man listening to this podcast would see their failures in life as an opportunity to fail forward in their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day if you fail. Be sure you fail forward. Have a good one.